Today's reading is Acts 17, 16 through 23. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know this new teaching is that May we know this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim, proclaim to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King's Quest students, first through fifth graders, you can head to the lobby and find your teachers. The rest of you may be seated. Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. Yes, I love it. You guys are doing so good. Uh, so this was an incredible weekend for my family. Um, there has been something we have been waiting for for a very long time, and it finally arrived. And if you think we're talking about the baby, that's not what it was. <laughs> Something we've waited even longer for, for the last four years, Aaron and myself and the boys have been waiting, we've been hoping, we've been praying, we've been in anticipation of this last weekend. And it finally arrived. Wakanda forever. Black Panther 2 came out. <laughs> Black Panther 2 came out. So when Black Panther 1 came out, I was not a Marvel fan. I didn't do comic books when I was a kid. Um, I, was, I was outside. And um, I, didn't, I didn't read comic books. No offense if you did that. That's great for you. Uh, but a bunch of my friends started talking about Black Panther. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I thought like the Black Panthers, and I'm like, they're making a movie? Like, what's was confused because I didn't follow the comic books, but a ton of our friends loved this character, and so they started talking about Black Panther, and, and we started kind of looking into it. There was some uh, Christian podcasters that I followed who did like a, a, a sub-series in their podcast on Wakanda and T'Challa and the Black Panther character, and so we decided, all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go watch this movie, and we loved it. It was fun, it was exciting, it was a great movie, and as soon as we left the theater, my oldest said, when's the next one coming out? 
And so we've waited. Now, I realize not all of you are nerds like me and you didn't do the like pre-advanced tickets, so no spoilers. No spoilers. We're not going to talk about the new movie, but we're going to talk about the old movie, Black Panther 1, okay? If you haven't seen it in the last four years, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to tell you. That's your own fault. Plenty of spoilers will come, all right? Uh, why would we talk about this? Why would, why, would I, why would the pastor bring up a movie in church? Um, because this is kind of what Paul did. For at least a lot of my friends, my social media uh, algorithms and things like that, there's a lot of conversation around this movie. And as we're in this series on the missional identity of God's people, we've looked at how from start to finish, from Genesis 12 all the way through Revelation, God makes it clear that if you claim to follow Jesus, part of this gig is participating with God on mission living in a way that displays who Jesus is and what his kingdom is like. It's a core class, it's not an elective. If this is what we claim to do is follow Jesus, then we display what he's like. And we looked at all kinds of passages that talked about this. Last week, we started some case studies, looking at characters in scripture who have encountered Jesus and how they share that experience with other people. So last week, we, we took a look at this woman, the woman at the well in John chapter 5, and we talked about she was able to share Jesus through her wounds, through difficult things that happened to her, through difficult decisions she made. She could see Jesus even there. Well, today, we're, as you heard read, we're going to hear from Paul in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a record of how the early church spread, right? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it turns out he was serious, and that's actually happened. And so Acts is showing us how this thing spread from Jerusalem, from his 12 disciples and his followers, to the ends of the earth, all the way here to Long Beach in 2022. And so we find Paul in the midst of this gospel or good news spreading, he finds himself in Athens. And this is a place of philosophers and thinkers and brilliant minds, as we heard, who love to sit around and think about ideas and talk about ideas and debate ideas. And if you thought social media was a new thing, we find out that it's not. People have been sitting around and thinking and talking about ideas for a very long time. And so we're going to see how Paul uses the culture in which God sends him to communicate the gospel, all right? My hope and prayer throughout this week and the prayer of our staff as they've prayed for you guys and we've prayed for this Sunday is that this would start something. Because I think when we talk about talking about our faith, lots of like potential hesitations come up right? I don't know how to do it. What if I say the wrong thing? People get really offended. You know, we used to do this thing that was just so bad and I feel embarrassed and I feel ashamed and it's complicated and it's complex. And I don't even know if I have it all figured out. Yeah. Hey, me too. Me too. For all of us here, it's hard and tricky and complex. So we're going to do what our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the ages have done when things are hard and tricky and complex. We're going to pray. Fair enough? All right, let's pray. Jesus, you are the reason for everything that we do. 
You love us. You care about us. You call us and you send us, and so now we come to you for help. We ask that you would speak through your word, which is what you always do, uh, to your people, which is what you always do, so that the good news of who you are and what your kingdom is like, that sinners can be forgiven, that we are loved, that we can be adopted into your family so that that message can spread, which you have caused it to spread. So we ask you for help. Would you help us through your word? Would you help us through your spirit? We need you in this. And so I ask that you would speak through me, Jesus, that you would, you would embolden us, that you would empower us to share this message that you have entrusted us with. We thank you for everyone who knows you in this room and for the people that took that step of courage and faith to share your gospel with us. Jesus, we pray for the people who don't yet know you that will come to know you because people here will live faithfully, will speak boldly, will proclaim your truth and your spirit will save them. We thank you in advance for that. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name, amen. Okay, so we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 7. If you look back uh, in the chapter, by the way, we're on page 926 in the Pew Bible, 926. That's the Bible that's underneath your chair that you have to reach way more than you would anticipate to find, page 926. Acts chapter 17 is a list of different places that Paul and his friends had visited to share their faith, to start up a local church, to empower that church to continue to partner with God on mission and share their faith with others who don't yet know him. So we see uh, that they're in Thessalonica at the beginning of the chapter, they're in Berea in the middle of chapter, and we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16. We find this, while Paul was waiting for them, the them are Silas and Timothy, some of his, his friends, his companions on this trip. While he was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. All right. So we see that Paul is waiting for his friends to come. Now, this would have been a journey of about 141 miles in a day when there weren't airplanes or trains that they could just jump on and get there quickly. So the implication here is that Paul has spent some time in Athens. He's gotten to know the culture. He's gotten to know the city. He's walking throughout the city, and it says that Paul becomes deeply distressed at the amount of idolatry that he sees, that the city was full of idols. He was greatly distressed in the NIV. Now, the language used here is there's some debate about what this could be. It could either be deep grief, it could be deep anger, or it could be both. People way smarter than me have really good conversations about that. Let's just go with both for the sake of conversation. Paul is walking throughout the city. 
day after day, getting to know the city, meeting people, seeing the idols throughout the city, and he becomes deeply distressed. He becomes deeply grieved. There's a sense of anger. As he sees what happens as people are following these idols, as he sees the ways that the idols fall short, which idols always do. He sees the ways that the idols overpromise and underdeliver, which idols always do. And I wonder if there's people like, you know, just bear with me here, like as Paul is going for his morning coffee at the same coffee shop in Athens every morning, and he gets to know the barista, and he starts up a conversation with her day after day. He's hearing her story. He's starting to learn about some of the ways that these idols are falling short in her life. He starts to be deeply distressed. He starts to grieve with sadness at how he sees these disappointments playing out in her life. This is now becoming his friend, and he's sad because he knows Jesus. He knows that there is good news for her. He knows that there is a better way for her out there, and he's moved. He becomes angry, not at her because she follows idols, but at the idols, at the brokenness in the culture. He begins to see how these cultural narratives reinforce these lies that are impacting real people in real time, and he's greatly distressed. You can't be greatly distressed at a distance. Greatly distressed requires proximity. Requires Paul to move in, to get to know the culture, to get to know the people, to see what's happening in their lives. Paul becomes moved. He's greatly distressed to the point where he begins to step out into the synagogues and into the marketplaces where people are having these conversations, and he begins to engage. Grace, what greatly distresses you? Who is the person that God is putting on your heart? What is that place? Maybe it's your local coffee shop. Maybe it's the people you work out with. Maybe it's the group of coworkers at your job that's greatly distressing you because you can see how Jesus is the good news and they just haven't gotten there yet. What burden do you feel? What problem in our society keeps you awake at night, drives you to your knees in consistent prayer? Not just like when you watch the one documentary and you're like, oh, that's really sad, right? But like ongoing, consistent prayer. How are you engaged with our culture and what is causing you great distress? Now, a few notes as we talk about cultural engagement. There were plenty of things going on in Athens One of those things was the legalization of prostitution. We don't see Paul participating in that. As we think about Christians engaging in culture, at times we have overcorrected from this like cultural withdrawal to say, Christians can do anything. We can engage in any culture, watch any show, listen to any music, go any place, do anything, drink anything, eat anything, or smoke anything, because it's all good under the blanket of Jesus. I would remind you, we are still called to be light in darkness, not darkness in darkness. We're still called to be salt that has retained its flavor. There should be a distinction. You see what I'm getting at? Now, Paul's not scared of culture. He's not fearful. He engages with compassion. He actually opens himself up to vulnerability. 
but he's able to maintain his obedience, his Christian identity, that he is a follower of Jesus. So when people are walking around, they can notice he's different. What, What is he trying to communicate for in God's here? There's a distinction. He doesn't only look Athenian, like somebody from Athens, but he has taken the time to engage the culture, to learn the culture, to know the culture well so that he can communicate in a way that makes sense within the culture. You guys tracking with me here? This isn't a license to do whatever we want. This is an opportunity to steward everything for the sake of the gospel with wisdom, with discretion, with discernment. Okay? So we see Paul greatly distressed at what he has observed in the culture. A few weeks ago, I talked about some of the ways that God sends us out, and I gave us three categories to to think about, and and I even gave us three categories that all start with the letter P so you guys could remember them. And we have a slide with that now in case you don't remember them. Uh, Some of the the ways that God sends us out are to think about people, places, or problems. Typically, one of those or a combination of those will resonate with us. Who are the people that God is putting that burden on our heart for? What are the places that God is calling us to? What are the problems he's inviting us uh, to be a light in the darkness in? So like I said, this stuff is is complicated and complex and we need help. So we're going to have moments of listening prayer throughout our service and invite the spirit to speak to us. Okay. I want this to be practical, not just like, oh, look at what Paul did, right? But like, how can we use this? How can the Spirit use this in our real life, everyday lives to share our faith with others? So we're going to take a few moments. We're going to ask the Spirit who is present, who desires to speak, to speak to us here and now, to bring to mind a person or a group of people, to bring to mind a place, to bring to mind a problem. And then we're going to walk through the passage with that in mind, all right? Spirit, you are with us. You call us to partner with you in mission. You promise that you give us the words when we need them. And so before we need them, we ask that you would show us who those words are for. Show us where those words are for or or what problem those words would bring good, good news to. Would you speak to us now? We thank you that you are a God who responds when we ask and answers when we seek. Thank you for speaking. So after we watched Black Panther 1, I found myself in some conversations with, with some other dads of young boys who um, all were just enamored with this movie. 
And it was such a great opportunity to kind of connect and talk about like, what did we see in the movie that we liked? Um, what was helpful for our kids? Uh, what did they love? What did they think was cool? You know, these, these kinds of just like dad conversations as your kids at practice or, you know, you're waiting to pick them up after school, that, that sort of deal. And I realized that in this movie, there were these incredible things, these incredible illustrations of what Jesus and his kingdom are like. And as we see what Paul does here, he, he takes this opportunity as he addresses the Athenians to actually point out the good in their culture. Now, this is Paul who was greatly distressed, either grieving or angered by the idolatry in the city. His first step is actually to affirm them, right? Ch check this out. Chapter 17, we're going to pick up in verse, you know, the good one that's right here that I'm about to find, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Notice what he doesn't say. I see in every way you're a bunch of dumb idolaters. You idiots. How could you get this so wrong, you big dummy? He doesn't say that. So I see that in every way, you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he himself needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else, common ground. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. You'll see the little letter B there. That's a footnote indicating there's something we need to pay attention to. This quote is taken from the Cretan philosopher Epimenides, part of their culture. Okay, so let's take a step back. All scripture is inspired by God. God, through his spirit, inspired Paul to quote a Cretan philosopher, some, a philosopher from Crete. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Here's another Greek poet. Check my notes. Aratus, that Paul is quoting. Paul is quoting Greek culture to communicate the gospel. Because this is the inspired word of God, we could say that the spirit inspired Paul to engage with their culture, to communicate the gospel in a way that would make sense to them. So as I'm talking to dads, of young boys who all love the movie Black Panther, I can talk about the ways that T'Challa reminds me of Jesus. The king who gave himself up, gave up his very life in battle against the enemy. They thought he was dead, but he came back with even greater power. 
The king of a kingdom who has the greatest power and resource on earth. Now, the people in the kingdom don't get the heart-shaped herb, the vibranium, the same way that the king does when he becomes the Black Panther protector, but it's in their clothing. It's in their medicine. It's in their technology. It's almost as if everything they do is empowered by this thing that allows them to live differently no matter where they're sent to the nations. Hopefully, you're making connections here. Now, is Black Panther Jesus? No. Is any Marvel movie like actually Jesus? No. Can we just watch a Marvel movie and come to faith? No. It takes an act of the spirit. Can we use a comic book movie to point people towards Jesus? Yes. Black Panther's suit is created so that as he absorbs damage, it, 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 it is carried within the suit and then released in energy. Jesus took the violence inflicted upon him into himself and unleashed forgiveness on the world. If we take a minute like Paul did and begin to think about culture, we realize that even a kid's comic book movie can be a better gospel track than any of us can write. So I'm talking to dads about this, and I'm like, man, it was great because our, our lead pastor at the time, he actually crafted his entire Easter sermon around Black Panther. <laughs> so I got to tell that story. Hey, this movie that your kids love, you know, we talked about it at our church. You know, Easter's a big deal at church, right? Oh, yeah, 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 we know that. Yeah, we talked about Black Panther. What? They talk about movies in church? <laughs> and I got to have this great conversation. Now, that's not going to work for all of you. Some of you haven't even seen this movie, and you're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about for the last 20 minutes. But what's the thing that makes sense for the person, the people, the place, or the problem that the Spirit brought to mind with you? What's the illustration that makes sense? What's the Bible story that it reminds you of? What's the attribute of God that you could point to with your thing? What movie really resonates? Maybe it's a team, right? We were kind of brainstorming some of these uh, around the office this week, right? Like these different ideas of, uh, of what, what would resonate in these different places with these different people in speaking to these different problems. Now, in a room this I, I don't know. I don't know what that is for you. I wish I could give everyone a great example and then go do your thing, but I can't do that. But here's the reality. We believe that we are created in the image of a creative God who communicates with us. So again, we're gonna stop, we're gonna take a minute and ask the Spirit to bring those things to mind. It may be silly. It's probably not sillier than a Marvel movie. <laughs> so if God can work through that, maybe just go with it, all right? Let's just say yes to Jesus, be open, and just see what happens. We're gonna invite the Spirit. Father, you've been speaking, and um, would you just make us mindful of your voice? As much as our heart breaks for the, the people, places, and problems that you bring to mind, yours breaks more. And so we ask you for creativity, for clarity, and, and for courage and boldness in sharing. So would you bring images to mind that we can share uh, to bring good news?
Jesus, thank you for speaking to us. Okay, so you, you, have, you have in your mind your person, your place, your problem. Hopefully you have some, some images or at least some ideas that you can think about some more. Now, what can happen sometimes for some of us, like we're really, really good at making the relationships and we're really good at like we know like how we can see Jesus in culture, but we're not really good at like taking that awkward step of like, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it feels awkward. It feels scary and, and confusing. And there's a lot of reasons for a lot of us why it's really, really difficult to take that first step. And some of those reasons, like we just need to name. Sometimes we've experienced this being done really, really poorly. And it's not only like offended us, but like hurt us or those we love. That's a thing. Okay. Some of us we've experienced, we've been in those settings where it's like, you know, almost the emotional manipulation, right? The lights are dimmed down low and they play the music, right? Like the music comes and makes everyone kind of weepy. And it's almost like those like feed the starving children commercials where you're like, ah, I heard, um, I heard on, this was in Arizona, so hopefully it won't offend anyone, um, on like a Christian radio station, it was like, oh, we want to rejoice, this person, this person was saved today, we're going to rejoice, and, and they played it like on the air, and I was like, well, that's kind of awkward, like we're hearing this guy's like conversion experience, hopefully they got his permission, but the way it was framed was like horrible, right? They're like, well, hell is just the worst thing you could imagine forever, no, only an idiot would want to go there, right? And the guy's like, uh, I guess? And they're like, you don't, you're not an idiot, right? And he's like, well, no. So you're going to accept Jesus. And he's like, uh, um, well, I mean, come on. Would you just want to suffer forever or the greatest thing ever forever? It's an easy choice. It's like, I guess I would choose Jesus. And they're literally like, yeah, like, this is it. This is the moment he's done it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually what happened there. Like, I don't know if that, you know, what's the um, Princess Bride? I don't think that means what you think it means, right? <laughs> Those things happen, and it causes fear, right? Some of us have been around these programs where it's like, everyone's, you, you got to go do this thing, you know, to earn your brownie points to really make Jesus happy. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. But it's something to be mindful of, Okay. So if you're hearing this and it's like, ah, we're getting to the pressury, like used car salesman gimmicky spiel, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking more about that thing that you have experienced that's so positive you can't help but share it. Right? You go to the great restaurant, nobody twists your arm to share about your experience. The girl gets engaged, no one has to convince her to post the picture of the ring on social media, right? We naturally share the good news in our life. This is what we're talking about. So then the question is, is Jesus good news for you, for me? When Jesus becomes good news and we believe it, then we feel compelled, not out of guilt, not out of shame, not out of performance, but out of joy to share what's going on. So this is what we're talking about. Taking that step motivated not by shame or guilt or fear or, or some weird burden that some guy on stage with a microphone put on you, but because the spirit of the living Christ has so enraptured you in his love, you can't help but share this. That's what we're talking about. 
And part of that message is hard news. Part of that message is any illustration we have, any idol we follow, anything we can concoct in our mind falls short of Jesus. So we're called to engage the culture. We're called to look for the good. We're also called to speak the truth. Speak the truth. This is what Paul says here. Um, We're going to pick up in verse 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof to this to all men by raising him from the dead. He has to say the hard things. The idols are going to fall short. The idols that you've built your life and your city around will let you down. There will be accountability one day. Not because Paul said so, but because Jesus rose from the dead. Now for some of us, this is the hard part because we've had these negative experiences. But here's the reality. If we call ourselves a Christian, we can only do that because Jesus rose from the dead. It's good news because there's bad news. We fall short. Sin is real. We see the effects of it everywhere we go. Open up your news app, and I guarantee the stories are just descriptions of how sin is currently affecting the world. No one looks outside and they're like, yep, nope, this is, the, this is exactly the way it should be. We all have that sense of it's not the way it should be. This is not what we long for. And I remember talking to a dad who was like, I just wish Wakanda was real. By the way, it's not. There's no country in Africa called Wakanda, just for the record, all right? Let me save you some embarrassment. I wish it was real. I wish there was a king who was good that I could trust. I wish there was a government that did what was right, not just for their own people, but for all people. I wish it wasn't just a comic book. I wish my kids could grow up in a place where we didn't have to fear sickness or death. That's not what we experience. But a day is coming. There is a king who is good. There is a kingdom who is called to live not just for itself, but for those outside its borders. There is good news. There is hope, not in T'Challa and in his kingdom of Wakanda, but in Jesus, in the kingdom that is already coming to bear on earth as it is in heaven and one day will fully come. Now, this hard message doesn't have to be all condemnation. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom and what was fire and brimstone or, you know, whatever. But there is hard truth. Jesus is God. That means we're not. Jesus is Lord. That means what I desire, it comes second to him. I can't only do what I want to do. Turns out it's not that great when I do it anyways. The wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, my hope and prayer throughout this week has been during this time, that person who's been on your mind for a long time, you would just be praying for them. You would be thinking of ways the Spirit would be giving you ideas of how you could share your faith with that person in that place amongst those problems. How could you be good news? And now here's the challenge. Go do it. Scary, right? But this church and faith, this is not just what we talk about on Sunday morning. One of the things that I love here at Grace is this value that we share, Christ in all of life. Not just Christ on Sunday from 9.30 to 10.45. Christ in all of life. So we're gonna take some time to pray because this thing is hard, because it's scary. I'm the guy up here with the microphone, right? Co-lead pastor, right? The whole deal. It's hard and scary for me. I'm right there with you. And I know that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. I know that God is love and perfect love casts out fear. So we're gonna spend time asking him. We're gonna spend time asking him for help. And then we're gonna invite you guys to pray with one another. Let me pray for us right now. And then we're gonna move into a time of prayer with one another. Jesus, I'm so thankful for the ways in my life that you are good news, and I know that there are areas of my life that I still keep withheld from you, and I need your gospel to go there. Father, I'm so thankful for the people in this room that display your gospel faithfully with how they speak to one another, how they choose to live their life. And Jesus, I know as much of an encouragement so many people in this room are to me, I know that they need you too. (laughs) Jesus, we love you. We feel compelled and we feel scared. We don't want to get it wrong. We don't want to manipulate. We we, we don't want to um, be motivated by fear and shame and judgment and It seems like so often what comes to mind are are the negative examples. And so with everything, we look to you for hope. Your word tells us that you desire that none would perish. Your word tells us that the gospel will go out to the ends of the earth. We see evidence of that, and we ask you for more. Jesus, in a room this size, we know there may be some who don't yet know you. Would today be the day? when they hear the good news that those burdens they have carried for so long, they don't have to carry anymore. Save those who need to be saved, Jesus. We all need it. Today may may be the day, Jesus, that those who have strayed from you would come back. We ask for that gift for them and for us in your name. Jesus, we know that you are are present when we are gathered. We know that you are active. We know that your word is active and living. And so we ask that you would continue to speak to us in this time of prayer. You would bring to mind people to pray for, places to pray for, problems to pray for, that you would bring to mind the steps that you're calling us to make to live out our faith in public, out loud, on purpose. And where there's fear, give us courage. 
where there's doubt, give us faith. This is what you have done throughout the ages. We know that you are faithful and you will continue, so we ask for that now. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.